Blog Talk Radio. Came up a lot. 
and and I'm gonna go back and those for those brothers and sisters that know the meaning of the word that may be a little hip on their studies. I hope they're not offended. But let me go back. Let me let me go into what fascism is. I'm using the um, political dictionary, revolutionary political dictionary, uh, as it is as as we describe it. And it says fascism. The definition of fascism is a repressive form of government which takes on police state characteristics in that all forms of political, economical, and social opposition is forcibly suppressed to maintain the status quo. Hence we get the let's make America great again. The status quo. Great for who? At what point of time and what period in the history of America was America great for us as African people? And I think that when we look back, we don't find that ever being relevant, ever being a point of time where America has been great for our advancement, our empowerment, or our liberation. Every inch that we have gained, if we want to call it a gain, has been at the bloodshed, the struggle, the tears, the prayers, the work, and in a lot of instances, the gunshots of revolutionaries and activists and even those amongst the civil rights movement who have had this vision and this dream to propel and motivate and push African people forward in this social, cultural uh, uh, nightmare called America. So his going back to making America great again should have been our first, should have been our first time, should have been our first sign that trouble was on the horizon for people of African descent. Then we started listening to, during the whole presidency, you know, we thought it was a joke. We watched the commentary that made jokes and laughed at it. And, do, and we did typical, like we do as African people, we laugh things away, which is unfortunate for us. But we laughed when he talked about building a wall, when he started banning Islamic countries and the people coming over here. You know, but now it's not, it's not so funny. We find hate crimes on the rise, against hate crimes against people of African descent. Minorities in general, specifically against people of African descent or African origin, we find those on the rise. We find that he's cutting, beginning to cut the coverage, the Medicare, what they uh, have called Obamacare, but cutting Medicare and even threatening to cut the the subsidies, the subsidiary cities uh, like the um, bills and little things that allow these doctors and things to cover the poor or the... um, you know, economically disadvantaged. So now our very health is being threatened. And what do we as African people do about it? Nothing. What do we plan to do about it? Are we coming up with contingencies? The time has, I think, that one of the things that when we look in Trump's America, if it hasn't done anything for the black man and the black woman here in America, it should have caused us to evaluate our struggle, to realistically evaluate our struggle, to really realistically evaluate our definition of a revolutionary in this day and time and the steps and measures that we are taking to not just reform but to transform the understanding and the concept of what a revolutionary is and the problems that a revolutionary should tackle and the problems that a revolutionary should take on. The days of being, we must start begin to learn to make the distinction between an activist and a revolutionary, and begin to fight for real revolutionary change in this in this system that we're in today. 
this is what this is warning about. We have to basically, brothers and sisters, step our game up. And this is not always the most popular route to take. Because this route doesn't hold the prominence. It doesn't hold the recognition and the fame or the infamy, whichever way you decide to look at it. It doesn't bolster or put your name out there because it's tireless, thankless work, working with the masses of people to begin it, for them to begin able to see their situation in a practical, realistic light and start to come up with solutions to start to change that. And the solutions that many a times that we have to come up with are going to take work. There's no way around it. It's going to take work. We have to change the social and cultural thinking of an African people here in America under Trump's America. Why? Because the timing has been right. We have become so apathetic and so far removed from revolutionary politics and participating in our own self-determination and own self-sufficiency that a man with such rhetoric, with a man with such destructive and detrimental policies to every minority people, every ethnicity, and particularly to the black man and black woman here in America was able to get through on that type of racist, discriminatory rhetoric. And we had nothing to counter it. We're still looking for Band-Aid solutions. We're still playing baby games. And now, in this day and time, they're cutting out the baby games. There are cities now that are actually banding, feeding homeless people. So a lot of these formations, a lot of our, our, our parties, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because we haven't addressed the issue of real self-determination and self-sufficiency, of forming and galvanizing the people into becoming, into becoming a people that are willing to do for themselves and not only having the willingness to do for themselves, but having the fortitude and the courage to stand up and be able to defend the institutions of self-determination and self-sufficiency. And that's what it's about. So what does this mean for, what does this... Um, Trump's America mean for black people? What does it mean for black people? And I used to hear the people say, you know, they were glad that Trump would get into office. Maybe now Negroes will be forced into a fight. You know, this was a prevailing attitude out here at one point in time. People felt like that the black man and the black woman had to be pushed into a fight, and maybe they'll see this would open their eyes. Not studying the history of this devil, that he's wily, he is crafty, and that he understands your sentiment and your moods, that he is the one that lays the trap and places the bait so he knows what type of mind state that you're in to be able to push, how hard to push, and when to relinquish. And he understood that the black man has become the majority, and not us, those of us that are revolutionaries, but let's speak realistically. Let's be realistic about our situation. I know a lot of times we can get caught up into the Facebook hype. We can get caught up into the whole so-called conscious community hype and surround ourselves with people that are think like we think and eat like we eat and, you know, share. Um, have, we have all of these similarities, and that's great. 
because it gives us an opportunity to begin to build. But what what ends up happening with that is we become disconnected and disassociated from the everyday masses of people. And we begin to forget what affects them, what guides and directs them, what influences their thinking and their behavior. And when we leave that and begin to forget that, we just turn into the, we, we begin to be critics of that. No longer being social scientists. Remember, the revolutionary is a social scientist. The revolutionary is one who analyzes and studies the conditions and the situations of the people from economically, socially, culturally, education-wise. You name it, we study it from those aspects and perspectives. But when we begin to hang with ourselves and pump up ourselves and inflate our own egos, then we become we begin to become judge and critics of the very things that affect the masses of people and forget that the revolution is for the masses of people, the advancement of African people, not the advancement or the acclaim or the acknowledgement of one or two individual Negroes. This is what we find a lot of times taking place now. Negroes relish in their so-called splendor. I call it Facebook splendor. Negroes relish in their so-called faith. And this is not to say that you shouldn't be acknowledged for your accomplishments and achievements. Listen, kudos, hats off to the formations and the brothers and sisters who are putting in the work tirelessly, day in, day out, spending that energy in drawing our people and galvanizing our people and motivating our people and inspiring our people to fight for themselves. Hats off to those people. I think they should be applauded, recognized. But that is not the end game. That is not the sum total of the revolution. The revolution is for the people. The revolution is for the people. The revolution is for the people. And we must constantly and continuously tell ourselves that. And not from a perspective of we're getting out here and, and serving the people, or serving the less fortunate, serving the downtrodden. It's not about that. We're serving just serving the homeless or we're just are just serving the hungry because then we begin to set up that divide between us when not and losing the connection that when you serve this black homeless or hungry person when you serve any homeless or homeless person but specifically and particularly this one of african origin and african descent that you're helping yourself you are serving yourself your people and it's not just about serving it's about empowering How do we begin to empower our people? How do we take the message of what Trump is doing up high in the White House in Washington, D.C., a place that many of us have been so far removed from? Black politics. Many of us are removed from black politics. Any politics that affects us. So how do we begin to Start to talk to the people where this, will, where this will begin to affect them And they'll start to participate In their own self-determination Understanding How important that is How important it is Right now 
it has become a joke. Can we rap? Can we talk? And those on the line listening, you know the number. Press 1 if you like to chime in. You don't always have to agree with me. But I'd love to hear your take on it. I'd love to really have a rap session with you. This is how we do on Independent Black Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party, because it's for the people, so you have a say. You have a say. But let's talk. It has become a farce. Many of us don't know about a Trump's America because we don't know about an Obama's America. Or Bush's America. Or Clinton's America. Or Reagan's America. We don't understand the politics and policies and procedures that affect us directly and indirectly. Because we're too busy with social band-aids, playing catch-up, reactionary, reacting reacting to everything, every injustice, reacting. I didn't say ignore injustices, brothers and sisters. I think that it is very necessary for people to address the injustice that affects them. So I'm not saying ignore injustice, but reacting constantly, continually reacting, never willing to take that next step forward, to do what it takes, to be able to, we want to, we love, you must have boots on the ground, hands down. Listen, I think we all agree on that, but where are the strategy sessions? Where are the generals and the strategists and the tacticians arising from the revolutionary masses? Where are the social scientists arising from the revolutionary masses, building these cadres, forming these cells that will start to guide, start to understand the change in the weather of social conditions? One that can read the climate and understand when the conditions for revolution are ripe. It's easier to take orders. There's one thing that you will find in the People's Black Panther Party, and maybe this is why you don't see us a lot on the Facebook with a lot of the things we do, and recruiting is very selective. Because when it's time to recruit soldiers, I can throw a nickel out there and get 20 soldiers. It'll hit a soldier in the head. But we're looking for the leaders. Those that will take the responsibility, the accountability, that would have the ingenuity and the initiative to take the charge and take the lead. To take the forefront and step up. And not only to do that, not just to be seen, it's one thing to take the weapon and to march and to hold the placard card and march and this and all of that's great. Listen, been there, done that. 13, 14 years plus, that's just with the party under various leaderships, have been there and done that and realized that it was time to go to the next level. So that's what I'm appealing to now. Despite organization or formation, I'm appealing to those those masterminds, the brilliance that is found in oppressed. When people are oppressed, they say necessity is the mother of invention. I'm appealing to those people through sheer necessity, through the sheer pain of being oppressed and repressed, tired of being fearful, locked down like a captive in their neighborhoods, 
by agents of repression, by anybody armed wing of a government that sends its people out to blatantly kill you, even if you abide by their laws. Look at the brother, what was his name, Castile. Fighting by their laws. I'm licensed to carry a gun. I have a firearm. This is this is shot four or five times in the chest in front of his child, in front of his woman, and they were told not to move. The trauma that this baby has to face and have to live with by seeing her father executed brutally, savagely executed for no other reason than being law abiding. I'm talking to the people that are willing to work with every segment of our society to begin to change these things that affect us like that. Later for this sensationalism, brothers and sisters, this is very real. We have a man in the White House that is implementing and enacting policies that directly affect you and I. And we get busy competing for Facebook likes and a few recruits that nine times out of ten we're recycling. That Negro or that sister that you have in your party has probably been in my party and the other formation and that, and we're recycling membership and have the audacity not to work together or say who we can't work with. And every day, you and I and the likes walk and abide by every unjust and every rule of the, that the oppressor lays down. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. The first revolution begins to start in the self. The first revolution begins to start in the self. The very first revolution begins to make one acknowledge the neo-colonialist mindset, the Eurocentric mindset that has affected us, this white mindset that has affected us. And I'm talking about deeper than just Willie Lynch. We're quick to holler about some Willie Lynch shit. But if it was that, as many of us know Willie Lynch, if it was that serious, if we really understood it and what it meant, you still wouldn't see the behavior that permeates through our community that affects us as such. It's deeper than just Willie Lynch. It's deeper than just knowing it's light against dark, it's rich against poor. It's just why? Why are we motivated to feel that way? What keeps, what is the protagonist, what keeps agitating us, what keeps encouraging this behavior? And once we begin to recognize what encourages this behavior, we can change it. But before we can recognize what encourages this behavior, where does the revolution begin, brothers and sisters? With yourself. See, you have to know that these are foreign thoughts being implemented in your head. That these are outside influences. That this is not natural for people to despise and hate their people. And not only despise and hate their people, but to want to destroy, murder, rob, maim, kill, cheat, swindle their very own. While at the same time laying down under the yoke of impression, oppression in Trump's America. Never being moved or stirred to passion, to dismay, to alarm. Your senses don't tingle. Your spidey senses don't tingle, as my sons would tell you. Your spidey senses aren't tingling, Daddy. 
Your spidey senses don't tingle. It doesn't tell you danger up ahead. Warning, caution, slow down, change your route. And they play you and I so short every day that they bombard us with it. They put it in our face. This is what they do. They put it in our face. They don't care about telling us their plan. They don't care about letting us know how they feel about us. And in the long term, what they plan to do to us. They tell you in your school system, we all hear about the preschool to prison pipeline. We hear about it. How many of us, so-called revolutionaries, so-called conscious, active people, have actually went to a board of education meeting? How many people know the people that sit on your board of education? I wouldn't even go that far. I challenge you, brothers and sisters. How many of the brothers and sisters with children, so-called revolutionaries, know the principles at your children's school, your teachers, their teachers? The curriculum. But we get out here and we front like we're fighting for every right without the change starting with yourself and the change starting at, in your homes. Because when it doesn't start there, when you haven't personalized the revolution, when you haven't looked your young man or your young daughter in the face and have seen where it, it they're affected by the ills of society, not just the outside influences, not just the Eurocentric thinking that is taught in our schools or the Eurocentric influences or white supremacy, the fear of police that is implanted in your young man, but the hatred that is leveled their way, that energy that is sent their way from other black people, when you don't see that on a day-to-day basis, when you don't familiarize yourself with that in your household, what the f- man, what are you fighting for? I almost used a profanity, but my little one's in the next room. And they always worry when daddy gets to talking like that. What are you fighting for? This is what you must ask yourself. Is it for the acclaim? Is it for the fame? And it has to be. When you're not, when you don't share that empathy, when you don't have that feeling for your people, you have to be fighting for their claim. When you're not moved, when you're not facing sleepless nights, then it has to be for the acclaim, the fame, the acknowledgement. And after you receive that, then what? This is what it's about. How can we begin to change our destinies? And the only solution to change our destinies is self-determination. That's it. That's it. You will find in our manuals it talks about the three Ds, defy, develop, and defend. Self-determination. Defy. Defy exactly who we are as an African people over here in America, as a black people in America as a black people up under this current regime, up under this current presidency, with his records and his policies. 
with his rhetoric of non-tolerance and sometimes downright racism, defy that, defy what that looks like for us. We must address that. This is the only way that we're going to defy it, defy what we want, how we're going to move in that, what that means for us. Isn't that what our 10-point platform tells us? We want in history, we want an education that teaches the true history of this decadent society and the black man and the black woman's role in this decadent society. Isn't that what our manual says? Isn't that the 10-point platform and program of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense? It is also the 10-point platform and program of the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. And I'm sure it is many, these formations out there that call themselves Panthers still hold to the 10-point platform program. I'm sure of it. So isn't this what it says? We want an education. I believe it's number five. I'm off the top, <laughs> but I believe it's number five. We want an education that teaches the true history of this decadent society and the black man and the black woman's role in this so-called society. So with that, we'll, with that proper education, that proper understanding, we begin to defy ourselves and our role and defy ourselves realistically. There's nothing wrong with the very strong, positive, overt Images I see on Facebook and I see on the social media. I think it's wonderful. The pharaohs and the empresses and the gods and the goddesses and the African warriors. I think that black imagery is needed in this day and time. I think that that's a very wonderful, positive thing. But we must defy ourselves realistically. We can't begin to study your words, brothers and sisters. We can't begin to romanticize the revolution. That only harms us when we begin to romanticize. When we begin to um, not look at it from a realistic perspective. We begin to piecemeal it. Take it apart piece by piece, finding things about the revolution, our predecessors, those that came before us that we like, that we want to emulate, that we want to assimilate. We want to look the part, but we haven't clearly studied the history. Therefore, tainting and leaning our definition of ourselves, it's hard to defy our struggle in this day and time because we haven't come to proper grips with what their struggle was then. I hear a lot of people, the original Panthers, we like the original, nigga, shut up. No, you're not. And if you are like the original Panthers, why? Most of you all original Panthers, I don't know, most of you guys, Marxist, Leninist, Communist? Oh, you didn't know he taught that. You didn't know Brother Huey was a Marxist, Leninist, an atheist. I see you on here, your Ogun and the Agungoons and, and your ancestors and your this, but we, we like the original Panthers. Huey was an atheist. A Marxist Lenin. So there's aspects that we take. Love Brother Huey, my man. Wouldn't be where we are without the contributions, the sacrifice, the struggle of Defense Minister Huey P. Newton. Wouldn't be here. But in this stage of evolution, with the knowledge that is coming, I must acknowledge my ancestors and the Agungu. And the Agungu. 
part of my struggle. That's a whole new part of the whole new concept. So I define this aspect of struggle under Trump's America in a different light. Romanticist, Negroes, romanticist. I don't believe half of you read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. We know what a proletarian, let alone a lumpen proletarian, is, whom Huey said he came to, as, as expound by the writings of Dr. Franz Fanon and Wretched of the Earth and Black Mass, White Face, and other writings from Dr. Franz Fanon. But quick to holler the original. Shut up. Quit romanticizing and fantasizing the struggle, putting people in a bad spot, jeopardizing our movement, backstepping our movement, pushing us back underneath a man who is clearly bent on the repression and the subjugation of African people in America, and you're contributing to it by your rhetoric. Because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Define. Clearly defined, realistically defined, our movement as it applies to the African here today. This is why in the People's Black Panther Party we respect what you call the original, but we call the third development because we understand them as developments. We understand it as an evolutionary process. We understand that the revolutionary must evolve. It's only natural. Those things that don't evolve die. If it doesn't evolve, it will become extinct. What about that don't you understand? But it's easier to captivate. It's easier to disarm the masses. It's easier to weave a spell of illusion of revolutionary by using the words, using the quotes, not truly understanding what the quotes mean, why they were so prolific and so profound in that day and time, how they spoke directly to the people facing particular and specific issues and problems. You're just a parakeet. What is our situation? We must defy the struggle of the black man and the black woman here in America under Trump's, under President Trump's administration. We want an education that teaches the true nature of this decadent society, the true nature in this day and time that is repressing me, that is repressing and oppressing my children, that is economically exploiting us in this day and time, right now, in the real life. Wasn't it our dear brother, Chairman Bobby Seals in the third development who said, seize the time. Most of you Negroes want a time machine. Get that nigga time machine. A leather jacket and a beret and put him in and then set the damn thing to 1960-something. Send him back. Please, let's get him out of the way. So those of us that are revolutionaries can move forward. Can begin to do what our 12, what our, 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 our general orders say, and that's take charge of our post. That we can begin to remove those things that create a nuisance and an obstruction to our post. How can we remove it? We have to defy, realistically defy our struggle, brothers and sisters, realistically. Defy who we want, realistically, what we, I mean, who we are, realistically, defy what we want, defy the black man and the black woman, the African man and woman here in America, what that looks like in realistic times.
what that looks like in realistic times. And then after defying that, what is the second D? What is the second D in Trump's uh, America and what it means for the black man? The second D is to develop. Huh? Then we begin to develop that very thing. And what does this development look like? What does it take to develop? This is why the first one is defied, because now, before we can develop, follow me, brothers and sisters, before we can develop this so-called black America, we must defy what development is. Everything starts with the definition. We must define what development is, what development looks like, what are we calling development. This is why it's important that these leaderships and these progressive thinkers and these tacticians and these strategists and these masterminds and these geniuses and just an all-out common man who has an opinion or common woman who has an opinion or a say about the matter get involved. This is the only way to develop. This is the only way to ensure that every aspect, every perspective, every avenue begins to be, begins to get covered. Begins to get covered. Too many times we have one of the things I am most proud of, one of the things I am most proud of, one of the things I am most proud of about the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination is its practice of Afri- African democratic centralism. There are no big eyes and little U's. It is African democratic centralism that we come together before we can develop a program, before we can construct a program, we come together with the heads with the central committee and we see what resources, what tools, we look at what city that we would like to target, and then we start to contact the members and the participants in that city and we discuss and we dialogue with them, what does this look like and this and that, when can we get it operational, when we can start functioning and then we come back and we begin to try to function it and we come back and we're always constantly meeting, where's the change is needed, how can we add, how can we take away from, what do we need? In the development stages, everyone plays their roles. See, I don't believe in rank. They don't have a rank. We practice African democratic centralism. In the military aspect of the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, in the, in the Panther Defense Forces, in the PDF, there's a military, there's a rank and structure. You get sergeants, lieutenants, there's rank and structure. It's not democratic. Follow your order, soldier. But in the government aspect, in the government apparatus, in the political apparatus, it is democratic. Everyone has a say. So there is no rank. There's only positions. Play your position. It's not about you outrank this and this is my rank and I'll rank you. It's your position. Some positions have more responsibilities than other positions. So don't always look at it as a favor being conferred upon you. And honor, it's only an honor because someone is saying, we think your shoulders are broad enough to handle more responsibility. Huh? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Your shoulders look wide, brother or sister. It looks like you can handle a little more responsibility. So this is your new position. I didn't say rank. I said position. Because we are all the people. 
my so-called, not my so-called, my position as a chairman of the party, and I thank those people that had the confidence in me and in my ability and in, believed in the vision to support. I don't have followers. I have people that support the vision that we're trying to lay out. I thank them for electing me. But that responsibility, that so-called position, it isn't a rank. If I get pulled over, I can't say I'm the chairman of the party. And my ticket vanishes. A check doesn't come with it. I don't get a company car nor a company house. It's a position. And it's a responsibility. But it's one that those of us that are revolutionaries would gladly bear these burdens for the love, the empowerment, the liberation, complete and total liberation of African people here in America. So we wear these burdens. We will bound ourselves. We will weigh ourselves down with these responsibilities because of our love for the people. So it's only natural. So this is how we begin to develop. How do let's defy develop before we can get out here and develop strong social, cultural programs, we must develop our organizations into just that, working organisms. This is what they have. Under Trump's America, this is exactly what America has. It is a working organism. Though they may disagree with one another, though they may not like the policies and the procedures, they can outright despise one another. I think some of them outright despise our former president, President Barack Obama, probably for no other reason than skin color. They probably despise him, but by it being a work, working organism and understanding how, how a working organism is, they understand that when the body attacks itself, that is a disease. That body is diseased. That body has a virus or an infestation it has some retardation there's something wrong with the body when it begins to uh, attack itself and inflict harm upon itself they understand this even in their bible that we all oh, that bible is this and that the bible should they found some wisdom in it even their jesus says a house divided amongst itself can't stand so they even find wisdom in their scriptures to further promote and advocate their mindset towards a supremacy, towards keeping their house, keeping their body in order. So they understand that to, for it to attack itself is a disease. So even though they despise one another, they come up with the bodies of politics, the bodies of legislation, the particular bodies of government, executive, judicial, legislative. They begin to come up with the bodies of government to help them keep it running, to keep a checks and balances, what they call it. We have these bodies of government to keep checks and balances. Where they sit and they wrangle, and even though they may disagree with how they're going to enact their uh, uh, policies and procedures, they all agree on that supremacy. So the different party, parties that they have, only very slightly, because And it can only vary slightly because it has the same objective in mind, and that is the, their supremacy, Eurocentric European supremacy. That's it. A European supremacy. 
Oh, man, brother, you ain't what you talking about, European supremacy. There you go talking about that white man. I didn't say nothing about the white man. I say Eurocentric or European supremacy. It doesn't take the deed has been so thorough, their plan has been so thorough, it doesn't take a white man to enact European supremacy. You will look up, it will be a black cop beating your ass mercilessly. That Negro will pepper spray you and tase you and kick you in your ass probably quicker than the white police officer, Uncle Tom-ass, handkerchief-head, boot-licking, buck-dancing Negro will cause you great bodily harm and psychological stress. So supremacy has been so thorough. They've done such a good job at their supremacist movement that you will find other ethnicities enacting and enforcing a Eurocentric, a white supremacist order, a white supremacist ideology and philosophy, a white supremacist social cultural way, enforcing it with vigor. So this is why their parties only very slightly, but they have enough common sense to understand coming up un- from that monarchy, coming from up under that tyranny, coming up under from up under depotism, from from. Uh, uh, um, coming from these di- this dictatorship, that monarchy they was up under, they understood enough to, at the very least, give the illusion of democracy. Give the illusion. If it isn't a real democracy, our dear brother, El Haj Malik Shabazz, more commonly known to and referred as our dear brother Malcolm X, says that they've Say that American democracy is just a hypocrisy. And we know this to be facts. We're victims of this very political hypocrisy that they've liked to label the democracy. We're victims of that. So we understand this to be true. We also understand the teachings of Ernesto Che Guevara, one of the great Cuban revolutionaries, who said where there is a democracy or the semblance, the illusion, the appearance, of a democracy armed revolution at that particular time is not practical because the people are under the very illusion that they have called the shots, that they have elected their officials, that they have enacted their own free will. That's the greatest trick. So we begin after defining what we want. Once we define what we want, we begin to try to develop programs to help us to reach what we defied our destiny to be, and that's when the reality kicks in to many brothers and sisters. This is why the mass participation is so needed, because mass participation in developing these programs is really an educational process. It's an educational process. It's an opportunity for the masses of people to participate in their own self-determination, therefore really seeing who is hindering and oppressing them and stopping them from actual and complete and total liberation. They realize it's not boo-boo on the block. It's not the sisters, not the sisters' kids around the corner. It's none of these people that's hindering and stopping me from complete and total liberation. It's none of these people. They begin to realize 
I don't know if I'm still on. I've just been knocked off. Oh, I'm still on? Oh, okay, okay. Am I still on? My my computer is down, but I'm hearing that I'm still on. So, unfortunately, right now, we may not be able to take calls in. But uh, let's let's continue, man. They, they shut my computer off. We must be hot. So, we begin to understand that to develop, This is an opportunity for the masses. This is the importance of the masses of people to participate in the development process. This is why you constantly hear me talking about about not just doing social Band-Aids, not just having social Band-Aids. What do you mean social Band-Aids, Brother Chairman Yangel? Defeating programs. I'm not even going to, I like what Chief War, my National Chief of Staff War says. He says, can we really call them programs or they're more like projects? And this is not, this is, listen, listen, listen. Stop being so sensitive. You revolutionaries out there, please cut it out. Quit being sensitive. Nobody talking about you. But realistically, when we go back to what I was speaking of earlier, when we talk about that definition, let us be honest let us be honest and define what we're attempting. And we know that a, when we look at what we're doing, they are feeding projects that must evolve. They're necessary and they're wonderful, but they must evolve to a program. And when they evolve into a program, we will be giving out more than just the sack lunches, more than just the um, grits or the few plates of food, and I'm not talking about giving more out as far as tangible goods, as far as more of a, of, as far as a better variety of nourishment, but I'm talking about that ideological and philosophical training that instills in the masses of black people the need, the motivation to be self-determinist, the motivation to get out of the position that they're in, and they will find themselves attempting to get out of that position by any and every means necessary. See, that's a program. When you begin to affect the very change, the core of a people, when you find these people desiring for better than themselves, understanding that this is not what I was put here to be on this planet Earth from the Most High or the ancestors, and I'll be damned if I allow a people to knock me down and repress me to such a degree that I'm accepting of this situation. That type of thing. That's where we will find ourselves in, in, in that type of situation. So then after we clearly defy and begin to develop and 
get the participation of the masses to begin to develop programs that empower them. They will see clearly who the enemy is. They will begin to be able to compartmentalize and conceptualize what's coming at them, how the attack is coming at them, why they can't, because they are trying in earnest and honest effort to develop things that get them from being dependent on anything. And you'll find out that the very people, this is what you'll find out and what you and I know as revolutionaries, you and I know this, but what the masses will find out, that the very people that complain about them, that cry about them being on government aid and government support and government subsidiaries and things of this nature are the very people that will hinder, intentionally, willfully obstruct their natural evolution to be independent. Oh, yes. You see, you can't tell an independent man or independent woman how to think or how to behave. You can't tell them that. But when you have them dependent upon you, it's something that I, my Dr. Justice was telling me about, and I need to read about this. I believe she, she said it was called the, I wish I could get my computer up, the Pavlov, the Pavlov project or something about the dog when they rang the dinner bell and watched the behavior of the dog. And when it wasn't food there, how the dog would just sit and salivate because he was conditioned, this dog was conditioned at the ringing of the bell that it was time to receive what it was going to receive. And they understand this about the African here in America. But when you become dependent, when you become independent, rather, when you become only dependent on yourself and on your people, they can't predict your behavior. And they're scared for you to taste freedom. Because when a man or a woman tastes freedom, they will fight to maintain it. Why do you think, brothers and sisters, please, please, Look at the news. When you see these people fighting vehemently with, with such ferocity, with such vigor and such passion, such commitment, you see these people in these nations fighting stones against tanks, sticks against helicopters. They're bite, they run out there, they biting them a nigga or two. They don't care. They will bite them somebody. Facing guns. We say in our mind, let me show you how conditioned we are. We say they crazy as hell. And when they watch our news and see us mowed down, see us, hands up, don't shoot, Ugh, I can't breathe. See you mowed down, see you complacent, see you law-abiding and still being murdered and maimed. They say to us, them niggas are crazy as hell. Because we haven't tasted that freedom. People tell you, you ain't no slave no more. You're still a slave because your mentality says you're a slave. If you're still protesting, if you're still crying about being murdered, if you haven't thought about elevating that struggle, if you're still in front of the police precinct marching with a placard, and that's a necessary step. Don't get me wrong. It's very necessary. It's very necessary to do that. But if you're still marching, In front of that station, and that's as far as you're going to go, then you're not doing anything. If you haven't evolved, like our dear brother El Haj Malik Shabazz, also for more, more, more commonly known as Malcolm X, saying that this is a human rights violation. 
that our human rights are being violated. If our struggle hasn't elevated to that point, if we haven't connected our struggle to international revolution, then we're just playing, brothers and sisters. It's just a game. It's just a game. So we must begin, when we begin to develop those programs that encourage freedom, when we begin to develop those programs that not only encourage freedom but educate us to our oppression and the very things that we willingly participate in that aids and assist us, assist them in oppressing us and repressing us and economically exploiting us and exploiting us in every other foul and vile manner. When we begin to move these things, then not only do we see liberation, not only do we start to embody and take on the passion of a liberated people, we begin to see ourselves on a world scale. We begin to become revolutionaries in the ultimate sense of the word revolutionary, meaning we become internationalists. We become internationalists. And once, and this is what they fear from you and I, brothers and sisters, because let me explain to you. Let me explain to you one thing I will say that I've taken from the third development. I believe that the African man and woman here in America, the black man and woman here in America, will be the catalyst and the vanguard of an international revolution because we're in the seat of an imperialist nation. We're in the seat of a capitalist country that has intentionally, intentionally, kept us categorized and systemized and subjugated. Once the black man and the black woman here in America begin to shake those shackles off themselves, mentally, economically, physically, referring to our living conditions and the community, once we begin to take over our communities and empower ourselves by cleaning up our communities and policing our own and building our own, then I think this whole dynamic shifts and when the whole dynamic of America shifts, then the whole dynamic of the world will shift. So the revolutionary will begin to understand. The revolutionary understands. The revolutionary here understands the importance of strategies, the importance of, of, of study, the importance of under, uh, organizing. He understands or she understands the importance of, like we said, what do we say? The three Ds. Divide, develop, and defend the definition, defying ourselves under this current administration's America and what it means for us as Africans here in this America, the black man and woman here in this America. We begin to defy ourselves. Then once we have that definition clear, once we begin to understand that, we begin to develop real programs, not projects, real programs to address, to address the things that we're facing. Real programs to address these things that we're facing. And once we begin to address the things that we're facing, we begin to, then comes the next phase of what must be done. And that is to defend the programs. Let's understand that clearly. Defend the programs We talked about earlier I talked about earlier Romanticism Adventurism In the revolutionary movement A lot of romanticists Have taken over the movement A lot of romanticists A lot of people that would like to Show these images 
of these big bad brothers and sisters from the third development, what we call the original, whom have rightly earned that right to be, uh, uh, for lack of better words, idolized or to be put in the forefront, to be raised up and elevated, and they should be used as motivational figures. Their teachings should be studied and be used as motivation for our further development and continuation of revolutionary struggle for the black man and the black woman here in America. They should be, but a lot of times, since we have brothers and sisters who have taken the forefront, who have proclaimed leadership, who don't deserve this leadership, who don't deserve this leadership, who have taken this, these leaderships, they romanticize it and they bedazzle the masses of people, especially those unsuspecting, sincere, well-intended revolutionaries who jump behind them, who listen to them chant the slogans, who have looked at their Facebook pages and looked at their posters or whatever they put up of Huey and them and them sitting in wicker chairs and those holding guns and marching. And, this, and we begin to emulate that without any real ideology behind it. We begin to walk down the streets bearing arms, being very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Being very, uh, what do they call it, protagonist. Being very, when you agitated or whatever, we have our guns and then they think of machoism, which we, brothers, listen, let me tell you something. These are some real words and some real things that we must be careful of when we get into this movement because we, they have clearly attacked the black manhood so much that sometimes we will overcompensate and we'll get into machismo, machoism. We allow ourselves to be pushed especially with our beautiful black queens. I'm about where the black man at? Then we jump out there. I'm the black man. We get in this machoism, and it's unrealistic. We allow, we go from our oppressor telling us what the black man is to a society that doesn't know themselves, that is given to, that is given to, Neo-colonialist thoughts Telling us what black manhood is Then we go to try to appease that Finding ourselves in trouble So we give to this machoism Now we're marching down the streets with our rifle With no clear directive, no clear gender No objective No clear goals Just antagonizing the pig Antagonizing the pig Not understanding the third D after developing these programs, was to defend these programs. When we look at the third development, whom we affectionately refer to in a lot of instances as the original, their guns came out as defense. They defended their programs. And once you develop programs that begin to empower the masses of people. Believe me, you brothers and sisters, you won't have to be alone in defending your program. Let me tell you something. Y'all brothers and sisters from the hood know this to be the the truth. See, we've become so disassociated from the hood, so separate from our people, we forget practical wisdoms. We forget simple truths, basic understandings. 
then let me tell you this. You feed a man. You feed a woman. You aid and assist the family. You won't be alone in defending that program. When they come to shut that program down, when they come to tell you you can't feed that family, it won't be you they have to watch out for. It'll be that family. That Negro will come out there with a his butcher knife and mama come out there with a rolling pin and the baby will come out there with a wiffle ball bat. These people feed us. Or aid and assist. They don't just feed us. They aid and assist us. They are family, a part of our everyday existence. See, the revolutionary hasn't become a part of the existence of the masses of people. It's our problem. We get these. We develop these programs, like I said before, that are social band aids. And we come and we go feed the poor people. We all poor. We thinking we must. That goes back to that definition. You see. Neocolonialism, we think from a neocolonialist, capitalist mindset, we begin to put ourselves in classes. I'm going to feed the poor people, then what are you? You don't even know that you're participating in a class's ideology, that you're thinking like a class. You're, you're separating us into classes. This is neocolonialist thinking. These capitalists have gotten you, but you haven't taken the time to do your study to understand that you're even thinking like this. Not going to help poor people, hungry people. We're going to help the people. We empower all the people, man. I'm there with you, brother, sister. So we think along these terms. The revolutionary begins to think along these terms. So then the revolutionary begins to insert themselves in the in the lives, the everyday existence of the masses of the people, because he or she is a part of that very same existence. He or she shops at that same grocery store that doesn't provide the proper nutrition and the proper food for the development and growth of healthy babies. He or she sends their children to the same public school system or to the school system that has a curriculum that pushes and promotes and encourages white supremacy. He or she lives in the same neighborhood that is full of police riding through like it's an occupied territory. So how I think I'm going somewhere helping somebody else and not helping myself because the revolutionary, as a revolutionary, I am embedded amongst the masses of people. I'm embedded in whatever community I live in. I'm embedded in that community. They know me in that community. I don't care what city I'm in. You ask anybody that knows me. Whatever city I go in, they know me because I make myself known. Whether I'm talking to y'all, whether I'm telling you, don't blow no trash in my damn yard, brother. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the people. We must get out of this, this classist thinking. The neocolonialist, this thinking, this is why we go back to Defy. We have got into, I, even though we have left the traditional religions, I am no longer Muslim. No, I'm not a Christian. We've left the thinking of the traditional religions, but we haven't left the structure or the system. We still set up these priesthoods and these gods and goddess type of structure and system, a superior and inferior structure and system that, we, that we've only applied African deities to or applied the ancestors to, and therefore we still have this mentality of better than, paying homage to, and we don't behave, and so our organizations begin to take that tilt. We don't study the nature, the very nature of a thing, because we've removed ourselves 
from the nature we've been, and, and, and rightly so, brother. I'm not saying rightly so, but I would say understandably so. Understandably so. You've been a people. You've been a people. I've been a people. I'm part of a people. We're part of a people that has had the senses knocked out of us. That reality has become very harsh to deal with. So we run to fantasisms and to escape. Hence the romanticism in the revolution. It looks like that was a powerful time, a good time. But for many of us who were born up in that, for many of us who have been around that, we know that it wasn't what these books say it was. It wasn't nothing like it. It's easy to read it in a book. It's over in a chapter, in a paragraph or two. But when you live it, when your father or your family member is snatched up, when they're kicking in doors, when police are following you, for no other reason, you're a child, you don't know why you're being followed or called out of the school building or being harassed or being laughed at because of who your parents are. I read the books and I laugh at the books is what I'm reading in the books. So when we begin to be realistic and embed ourselves in the life of the everyday masses of people, then we can understand what's attacking the people. We understand what's coming at the people because we are the people, but those of us that are revolutionaries who have dedicated and devoted our life to the revolution, who understand the neo-colonialist thinking, who understand the influences, the outside influences, though we may have shared the terminologies, though we may have shared the so-called traditional understanding, we still implement the structure and the system of certain um, ways of Eurocentric ways, European ways, white ways, capitalist ways, imperialist ways, in our day-to-day actions, then we begin to understand, you will begin to understand why our organizations fail to produce the results that are needed for complete and total liberation. Because they fail to function as organizations, which is derived from the word organisms or organs. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of y'all heard that teaching before. That the organs, we talked about their body of politics. Isn't this what they call it? Their body of politics. Because they run this country like a body. And therefore, like I told you, even in their manuscripts or their so-called scriptures, whom we say, oh, those scriptures ain't real. Their real is relative. Let me tell you that first and foremost. Real is relative. Real is as relative as the results you get. So you can say that Jesus ain't real. You can say that Bible ain't real. It is very real to them because it has resulted very good. It has yielded very profitable and very real results. So Jesus is very real to them. And there Jesus has taught them that a house divided against itself can't stand and they have enacted and have stood on that scripture and have had bodies of politics and they have an organization that ensures the continuance, the advancement, and the health of this body. And we wonder why our organizations don't. Because we have taken how they have given us understanding and we try to set up according to their system, which is not advantageous to the African man or woman here in America. So we don't operate like an organization, like organisms or like organs in a body. I once heard my father say, and as he's always taught me when he speaks about organizations, he says, Yanga, the word organization comes from the word organ. Yes, Abu, clearly, Baba, understand that. He said, but understand 
that the organs in the body are not jealous of one another. That the organs in the body all know they have a specific role to play for the maintenance and continuation and to ensure the health of that body. The lung doesn't want to be the heart. The heart doesn't want to be the spleen. The spleen doesn't want to be the liver. The liver doesn't want to be the brain. Each is content in playing its particular role. And when one doesn't play its role, when one doesn't function like it should function, they call that retardation. Or like I spoke of earlier, there's a disease, an infestation. There's something very wrong happening here. This picture is very wrong. So every organ plays its role. And even the booty. Even the ass has a role. It gets rid of the shit. It gets rid of the waste. So everything has a role to play. And this is what, when we begin to defy what we want, defy who we are, and develop the proper programs, our development will go according to plan because we have a definition. Every role is defined. So our programs begin to get developed in a manner that aids and assists and push and promotes us in Trump's America. Then we go back to what it takes to defy that. We must begin to, I mean, uh, to defend it. We must begin to defend. We must begin to defend it. And defending it like they did in old times will call for us to bear arms at times. This is something that we shouldn't be frightened to say, that we shouldn't shy away from. History bears witness to that fact. But defense is not solely rest upon the bang of arms. This is why I definitely want to talk to my brothers and some of my very strong military-minded sisters too. All of us are those that of us that are military minded. It doesn't just stop with military um on a military perspective. Defense doesn't always mean I want us to get away, hear me closely, brothers and sisters. I want us to check every thought we have against our Africanness, against our blackness, against our African revolutionary understanding, as opposed to our European white supremacist neo colonialist understanding. When we say defense, do we naturally think of war? Do we naturally think of guns? You're talking about this is a warmonger. He is a warmonger. His history, his social, cultural development, his origin of being has built him to be a warmonger. He's from Europe where resources were very limited. They didn't have any resources. Resources was very limited. So they had to fight contend and compete with one another for survival as opposed to a people who were from a continent where resources were plentiful and when resources are plentiful you don't have that to have to contend as hard have to fight as hard have to, you don't develop a barbaric or a savage nature in fact resources are so plentiful so plentiful and they vary from different things that it led to the development of diplomacy and governments. How can we exchange what I have for what you have? I have an abundance of this. You have an abundance of that. How can we exchange? It led to 
civilization and civilized thinking. So when we say defense, when we talk about this savage defending ourselves, we must first take a pause, take a pause, think for a moment, and check every thought that comes in your mind against your African revolutionary, your beautiful, your beautiful, beautiful African revolutionary self, as opposed to this neo-colonialist, white supremacist, Eurocentric thinking, because it will creep on you. Listen, it's not a pro- We've been steeped in it. You've been born in it. I know we like to think that we're so liberated in the mind. Then you're talking about not me. The very fact that you understand my every word in English, some of the very things that you are taking into your body as far as foods, your social behaviors, bears witness to the depth of colonialism, of assimilation, of repression, of having the very African, good African, God-given African senses beat. And when we acknowledge this, isn't that what they say, I think, in those AA programs? First, acknowledging that you have a problem. When we acknowledge that there is a problem, when we acknowledge that we are not behaving according to the very nature of African men or women, then we begin to address it. You say, this is my nature. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about the very nature, changing the nature of a thing and how perverse and deranged it was. And I said, it's like if you had a pit bull, and a pit bull ran up to you and said, meow, and boo-booed in a kitty litter, and purred up to you and cuddled and snuggled up. This is a pit bull. Everyone assumes they know the nature of a pit bull. This is a ferocious dog, purring like a cat using the bathroom like a cat, meowing like a cat, you would say something's wrong with the dog. It's the same with the African man and woman here in America who is behaving other than African. So once we understand that, we begin to we can begin to rightfully check our thought process. We understand that I'm not thinking in my right mind. Let me find what is the right mind. This goes back to defying. What is the right mind to the African here in America? And this is a task. I'm not talking about, listen, I know you Afrocentric brothers, staunch Pan-Africanists, super ultra Pan-Africanists about to get mad at me and, and pissed off right about now. I'm not talking about a pre-colonized Africa. I'm not talking about a pre-colonized Africa. That's great to know. Because our children need to know where they come from, so that's great to know. But I'm talking about the African experience as it affects the black man and the black woman here in America, those that have suffered from the Mayafa, those that have, who have suffered from the worst human slave trade in history, those that who have been subjugated to the worst practices, the most inhumane treatment, the most barbaric and insane treatment visited upon any people on the planet. I don't tell me about no Hitler and no Jew, Pharaoh and no Jew. Don't tell me about none of that. I'm talking about those of you and I who have suffered and are still suffering the ramifications and repercussions of that travesty called the transatlantic slave trade. See, once that's clearly defied, once that's taught to our children, once they understand the true history of that, and not just from a historic standpoint, 
but also from a psychological standpoint to understand why they're thinking like they're thinking, to understand why we got these little ugly rappers promoting misogyny and every other debased and sick, depraved act amongst their own people. Then you understand that you, when you, once you know where that comes from, you begin to know how to address it. So when we say, I go back to defense, when I say defense, don't first jump back into your warrior mode, which you should always be in warrior mode. But defending is more than just picking up your arms. Defending is spending your time to ensure that the programs develop correctly, to ensure that the programs are running, resources, spending your resources to ensure that the programs are running correctly, to ensure that the programs are developing. This is the defense, the best defense out of people. Of the people Don't we say Don't we say All powers To the people The people possess all the power All powers should belong to the people Because the people possess all the power The masses Possess the power So we say all powers to the people And this is what we do. And they know this. You can read it in their writings. I was reading the other day The Prince by Nicola Machiavelli. I don't know if a lot of you are familiar with that book, The Prince by Nicola Machiavelli. Check it out. One of the things that Nicola Machiavelli says in giving his advice to the uh, Medici, I, did, I forget which Medici it was at this particular time, he said that he talks about the rising of a people, he says a prince. You understand that they were monarchs. He says that the a prince is brought to power by two ways. One, by the back of nobility. One, by the people. He says if nobility puts him in power, if the noblemen, if the bourgeoisie, if the elitist, if the 1% put you in power, then they will never be subjugated. They will never work with you because they look to you as inferior to them because they put you in power. But if the people exonerate you, if the people lift up your party, if the people lift you up as a revolutionary, the people you would never have to fear the people because the people are not looking for power for you, they're just looking for an end of the oppression. Huh? They are looking to an end for an end to the oppression. So our whole programs have to be geared to that. And the defense, and this is why we work so adamantly to defend the programs, because the programs are there to begin that long, grueling process of bringing an end to oppression and exploitation to an African people in America. That's it. That's it. If you're in it for any other reason, I would admonish you, I would advise you, I would caution you, I would warn you to take a step back like we used to say, I'm an old head. Like we used to say, jump back and check yourself, sucker. That's what we used to say, jump back and check yourself, cat. Check yourself. What are your intentions? What are your motives? 
then we will begin to, and we will see the checking of self when we begin to see the post change on Facebook. When we would begin to break down these lines, this partisanship, this factionalization, we will begin to work together in solidarity, in a common unity, because we will have clearly identified our objective, our aims, and our goals. And we will understand that we as individuals are only aspects of the body. We're only aspects of the body. We're only one particular part. We're only one organ of the bigger body. We begin to understand this formation may be the heart. That formation may be an arm. That formation may be an eyeball or an eyelash. And that if the empowerment of African people, the liberation of African people, the advancement of African people here in America, black people here in America is the ultimate goal, then there is nothing save you and I beside you and I that is holding us back from accomplishing that and achieving that. Nothing. You tell me what it is. And the only reason that we can't work together, if you're under leadership that is opposed to working with other people, at the very least sitting with other formations and hearing them out, I would advise you, membership, who have people on this line listening, to question your leadership. Stop being a blind follower. Stop being a dupe. Stop being a sucker. Stop being a groupie. Have some goals. Your leadership, ask your central committees, ask your general councils, ask your supreme grand poobah, your highest member, your high priest, your, whatever you're calling them, ask them what is your objective? What is the end game? What, is, what are we trying to accomplish in the long run? Or do you just want subjects to follow behind you, worship you, and kiss your toes and feet to throw rose petals in your wake? Or do you have a real agenda, a real objective? That's how serious this thing is. Many of us lack that gumption because we haven't went through the process, the very first stages of the 3Ds. This is why we don't know what Trump's America means for black people in America because we haven't went through the first stages of the 3Ds. While I'm talking about define, develop, and defense, while I'm on the third D of defending, we still haven't defined who we are. We haven't taken a real look in the mirror. We haven't really addressed ourselves. Some of you are angry for me saying this. Some of you are angry because you feel like I'm touching you in your chest, that I'm looking into your heart, peering into your soul and calling you out. And if you feel that way, then it must be the shoes that fit you. You haven't asked yourself. You haven't defined yourself. You haven't asked yourself, what is my role? What is my involvement in this movement? Who am I? Am I really revolutionizing myself or am I in a clique? party or with this sister because she make good Kool-Aid. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I got little ears around me because the Kool-Aid's sweet. Or are you in it for the people? And this is what we must begin to ask ourselves. We must start this whole thing of defying. And once you start defying yourself, 
once you begin to defile yourself, you will begin to put the necessary pressure on your leadership. Not undue pressure. Not undue pressure. You will start to put the pressure that holds your leadership to accountability. That will, because the leadership should be in accountability to you, the one who has volunteered and sacrificed and is willing to sacrifice not just time, not just energy, not just money, not just resources, but quite possibly your life, your freedom. If you're sacrificing, at the very least, your money and time, at the highest, your life and your freedom, you have a right to question. In fact, you would be foolish not to ask, what is our goal, aims, and objectives? But to many of us, this has become a hobby. It's something we do part-time. We don't want our children involved. We don't want to, uh, this is what we do on the side. It's a hobby, and that's okay if it is, then you're a very strong supporter. But be real with yourself. This is why you face the many obstacles and challenges you face. Those of us that know that live this for, are prepared at a moment's notice for anything. I've had to talk. They told me my son wouldn't stand for the play. Never taught him this. They said, sir, he won't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. He said that ain't his flag. He said his daddy said that that's a pirate flag. See, children, listen, when you know, I wasn't even talking to him. He said his daddy said that's a pirate flag, and his flag is red, black, and green. Didn't know, never directly said that to him. I said, well, hey, you should. he said it. It's a pirate flag. He's not going to stand for it, and his flag is red, black, and green. What more can I say? See, these are, when you're living that life, then you begin to demand better from yourself, and that emulates and starts to spread out to the people around you and influence the people around you, even your children. Then you demand better from the people, your comrades, who are working with you, and the leadership of the party or the formations or the organizations that you belong to. This is the only way, brothers and sisters, that we're going to be able to stand up when we talk about Trump's America. And what it means for you and I. Because it spells certain doom. The man is brazen. He is brazen. He doesn't hide or sugarcoat his contempt. His dislike and disdain for minorities. He doesn't hide it. It's an actual factual. He ran on the campaign promise of uh, building walls. His first hundred days in office, he he was banning Islamic countries. He blatantly said that you police are too soft. Listen, listen. Too soft on the suspects. And day in and day out, you're posting murders by the police. Murder after murder, brutality after brutality, use of excessive force after use of excessive force. And here, the president of this country says that they're too soft. Too soft. 
too soft. And we don't have a clue. Still can't come together to formulate a plan. And every people do it. Oh, you back on that again. I will always be back on that. Because we act like we suffer. Not act like we do. Negroes suffer from nigger amnesia. Let's keep it real. Niggers have nigger amnesia. And it's been inflicted on us. We're constantly one protest after another protest, one trauma after another trauma. It's hard. How many of us still remember Trayvon Martin? Because it's been one catastrophe after another catastrophe after another catastrophe after another catastrophe. Police are walking. We don't even know about because we're off to the next one, protest the next event. Whole scale. The intentional and deliberate hindrance and obstruction, murder and mayhem of an African people to evolve naturally. We so we suffer from nigger amnesia. And we forget. And we so I constantly remind us that other people do it because we don't think it can be done. It's right in our face and we don't pay attention to it. For those of my brothers and sisters on the West Coast, Texas and California, tell the brothers and sisters, tell them how you go into Hispanic communities and they speak Spanish and they own the stores. Tell them how many black stores in the Spanish community. Go count them. And if you come back with more than counting off of one hand, please tell me where you're at so I can go see it. Love to see it for myself. You won't find it. Go to Chinatown. You're not going to find JoJo's Chicken Wing Shack. Kim Sue's Chicken Shack, you ching-ching, but not JoJo. Little Russia, Little Italy, anywhere where you find these nationalist enclaves of people, you won't find us. But when you come in our communities, you will find them constantly taking out money from our communities. And the incident like we had in DeKalb County, they will call the uh, repressive force of the government the military force of the government, the military wing of the government, the civil military wing of the government, call the police to come and brutalize you. And for the landowners, the capitalist interests, to make sure that that money flows. They will tell you, stop laudering. You've been living in that neighborhood all your life. Your grandmama been in that neighborhood all her life. Her mama's mama was in that neighborhood all her life. You stop at the store to open your soda, whoop, stop laudering, keep it moving. In the neighborhood you live in, by Interloper, he don't even live in that neighborhood. And he's giving the orders. They got you like South Africa. Roll up, where's your ID? Let me see who you are. For no reason. And we've become accustomed to it. And many of us pay taxes, pay property taxes, home taxes, or for the young people, your parents pay taxes, but you don't attend the meetings, city council meetings, community meetings. You don't go to the school boards. You don't demand to know who these police are policing around your children. You got these police around your children. You don't know because you become comfortable. Oh, you become comfortable. Let me ride in your neighborhood, my black self, with a gun on my hip. You will call the police. There's a man out here with a gun on his hip. But you got this pig rolling through your neighborhood with a gun talking to your children. And you don't know the police that patrol your neighborhood. You should go to the precinct right now. Take your black butt to the precinct. You say, I need to know these people riding through my neighborhood with weapons. 
Well, ma'am, they're the police. They have weapons in my neighborhood. Why don't you know the people harassing your children? It's all fun and games until it's one of your children. Pepper sprayed, handcuffed, or worse, and God forbid, and may God protect each and every one of us from this, going out there weeping and holding our child to our bosom because he's been blown away by a trigger-happy cop that you didn't know, been patrolling your neighborhood for years, but you're oblivious. Man got a gun. Like I said, let somebody else in your neighborhood with a gun. You'll tell your kids coming out, y'all come in the house. You'll call the police, but they ride through your neighborhood. You wave them if you got a gun. So you must know we have to begin to take control of our neighborhoods again. We have to be practical. We quick to run everywhere else, to be seen, to take pictures, to demand justice, which is necessary, but not doing anything practical. It's become a game. It's all become a game. And to the revolutionary, it becomes sickening. Because while we're playing games, the revolutionary not only has to fight for some type of advancement against a system who is bent on his destruction or her destruction as a people, but he has to weed through and disseminate information and dismantle and dispel the bull stuff to the masses of people who see it. When you go out there, our patch has been, our cat has been so uh, uh, trivialized. It has been so trivialized. That cat that was a symbol of resistance and freedom, a symbol of revolution, has been made such a mockery of that when you wear it now, it doesn't even have the same effect on the black community. I'm like my minister of justice said, we really need an oversight committee. We need to have some type of, there needs to be what I call scientific revolutionary morals to this thing. There has to be a standard that we hold ourselves to. And then we can be able to hold others to that standard. When we say revolution, whether it's Black Panther, any Panther, any progressive revolutionary organization, there must be a standard. We have to stop the robbery. And this is what we say in our 10-point platform and program. We want to end up the robbery of the black community by the capitalists. It didn't give a color. Some of these Negroes in these organizations are the biggest capitalists you want to run across. They will pimp and play on your yearning and your desire to be attached to the motherland. They will play on your colors. They will play on your sentiment. And they will sell you all of this stuff without any of those proceeds. Now, I'm not talking about those brothers and sisters who are making a living from the other brothers and sisters. And the portions and proceeds are going back to further the movement, what you call paying their dues. But I'm talking about these people who say buy black, buy black, buy black, and that's all you get, and they live, they don't even, they don't live black, they don't eat black, and they're not black in the sense of aiding and assisting black empowerment. But they will get your black dollars. We want the end of the robbery of the black community by capitalists. We want to end the economic exploitation. 
Ten Point Platform Program, Black Panther Party of Self-Defense. Also, the Ten Point Platform Program of the People's Black Panther Party of Self-Determination. We want the same thing. You dig? We want the same exact thing. So that means that even if we have to expose and call out these so-called Negroes who are participating in the exploitation and capitalization of African people here in America, then we're going to start doing that. It's the bottom line. We're tired of being played and preyed upon. Tired of fighting a Trump's America, a fascist America, an America that is going in a direction that is detrimental to black black people. And while we're fighting on this front, all the while we got this handkerchief head, boot licking, Uncle Tom, buck dancing Negro behind us, undermining the movement, trivializing the movement, misleading the people in the movement. Damn. We're fighting on every front, brothers and sisters. So this is a call to the revolutionary, brother and sister. This is a call to the revolutionary, brother and sister. This is a call to the revolutionary, brother and sister, to wake up, to get real with this thing, to begin to check yourself, check your mentality, make sure that, you know, like I said, weigh every, where's your moral compass, brothers and sisters, revolutionaries, Africans, where's your moral compass? Check every thought, check every speech, check every action against your neo-colonialist thinking as opposed to the African revolutionary thinking. And I think that if you take the time to do that, you might be surprised on just how colonized we are. I know I am daily. And this is why I love to surround myself by revolutionary thinking, brothers and sisters, because when I let something slip, when my thought process is not quite there, my brother and sister will allow me to know that, brother, that is a neo-colonialist thought. That's a white supremacist thought. That's a Eurocentric thought, brother. I can't even believe that that came out your mouth or that you're willing to enact that action or take that action. So you got to surround yourself by conscious people. And once surrounding yourself by conscious people, not to the isolation of the masses, but surrounding yourself by conscious people to refuel you, to go amongst the masses, to be embedded in the trenches, to go against the everyday people, to go with the everyday people, to be able to teach these lessons. Isn't that what it's about? Isn't that what it's about? I don't want to be the premier formation. I don't want to be the only panther formation. I know a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, man, if y'all was this and that, it wouldn't be this many panther formations. Listen, I applaud the various formations. I love it personally. Because everyone's not going to work with everyone. I've never had a cultist mentality. I never wanted to be in a cult. I never wanted to be robotic. I know that the African people are not a monolithic people. We're not a people that have one thought, one action, one mindset. That we are diverse, magnificent people. And these various formations and various thinking and the diversity in us will help us to look at our problem and to come up from, with solutions from all types of angles. We have to celebrate our differences, embrace our differences, and find out how these differences, not differences, how these diversities can work together for one common goal. Diversity is not a bad thing when it comes to us. It's what amazes me. It's what amazes me. When we talk about diversity when it comes to us, that's why black folk can't stick together. Like, we hate diversity when it comes to us, but then when it comes to diversity of other people, man, they ain't done nothing to me. 
they pretty cool. We'll celebrate and practice diversity with every other ethnicity. Even to the point you begin to assimilate. You dress like them. You eat like them. You walk like them. You know what it is. We all did it. I grew up eating Chinese food on Saturdays out there kicking karate after watching Kung Fu Theater. We emulate everything that we see. Save the African. Because the African has never had a positive image. And this is what this Trump America is doing now. He's playing on the fact that we've never had a positive image. And by us never have a positive image, we've been dehumanized. We've been demonized. So he can play on that. Tell the police, get rougher. You're too nice with them. Y'all only killing one a month? Pick your quote up. But when you have a positive, healthy self-image, and people begin to murder you, then the cry not only reaches the ears of the murderer, but the cry reaches the very gates of heaven. Your cry against injustice reaches the very gates of heaven. They love to use that old weak-ass excuse for y'all killing one another. But when you have a positive, positive, healthy self-image, you don't even let that ride. Some of you Negroes have picked that up. Well, we are killing one another. They kill one another. Hell, hell, you talking about. But they've tricked you. Got you fooled. Got you hating yourself. And then the very thing they taught you to do that you've done, you blame yourself and say they ain't at fault for it. We doing this to each other. Where'd you learn it from? Where'd you learn it from? Look at the child that practices any type of sick, debauched behavior. Isn't that what the studies show? That the man that practices sexual improprieties or molestation or a lot of times these perversions and uh, deviants, rape and things of that nature, when you look back in his history, a lot of times they say that it happened to them. Some kind of way that perversion happened to them. So that's what I ask him. Where did he get it from? Well, he's doing it to ourselves. Where did he get it from? Where did he learn that type of sickness? Where did the black man and the black woman begin to feel like that was okay? Can you open that up? Justice, I can't. My computer is down. We see we have a question. Let me see if my minister of justice, justice, can you open that? And I am so sorry about how they knocked my computer offline. I have no idea how I'm still on here. This motherfucker is attacking. Right on, right on. All right, your mic's open, brother. Can you say that again? Oh, this, hey, uh, what's up? What's up there for you? Hey, man, hey, I'm telling hey, you, every time I get attacking, that. Who they attacking, brother? Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you, hey, I want to highlight, I want to highlight something you said, right, about yeah. knowing the police who in your neighborhood. Come on. Come on, that's something, man. This this something that's so serious. You know as well as I, I was shot by the police. Boy, they tried to kill you. Okay. 
and left you for hey. dead. Wouldn't even call the paramedics. I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? But that's a simple step right there that's going to prevent a lot of things. Because if you know the mother or you know the father, you know the auntie, you know the grandmother or whoever this is hanging at this stove, it's going to affect. It's going to affect your direction and how you approach this situation. You right. know what I'm saying? You know, and I just think that was, that was, that was, you know, that's a wonderful tip. That's, that's big prevention. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's A plus prevention right there, you know. So everybody who's listening, you know what I'm saying? You need to go down there and figure out who this is riding through here harassing people. With a gun. You feel me? With a gun. Now they will call with the police. A gun. Listen, let me tell you something. You ride through their neighborhood with a gun. And I don't know where we get it to where we think it's okay for these people. That this is somebody with a gun. You need to know who this is. They got a gun in your neighborhood. I don't give a damn about no badge. This I want to know you personally. <laughs> what make you tick? Uh, you know what I'm saying? You, you run around, you're strapped up. You, yeah, you exactly. What I mean. Strapped up. Man, who are you? Pulling my kid over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Talking to my children. And you got a gun on you. I need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. We act like we don't mm-hmm. got no common sense when it comes to our oppressor. That's male talk. You know, all right, man, and so you we know, mute them out, you, Justin. And you know, and you know another oh, thing. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, uh, Oh, no, nah, that was male call. You know, another thing that I was reading, yeah. uh, I read the Bayview newspaper, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, it's another thing I just want to bring to light. You know, these officers, man, they got a bad habit with this sexual assault, man. I'm talking about the police, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm talking about this, yeah. is, this is a serious problem. You know what I mean? This is who well, we trust in. I'd like to say that I've known uh, I've known of black police officers in other cities where it was white people, took them out the car, beat them up, arrested them, didn't care if they were the cops. So, yeah. you know, I think the same thing applies. You know, like, who are you and why are you here? So, yeah. uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to try to get some more callers on here, Brother Chairman. Um, uh, thank you for your comment, sir. I'll let the chairman thank you. Uh, Brother Chairman, I'd like for you to um, ask if there's any more comments. And I'm going to, brother, I'm going to close your mic for the moment. But do press your mic again if you if you have something else, another question you'd like to ask. Life hour. All right. Uh, I'm going to love you. I right, love, love you too, nephew. Too. We appreciate that. All right. Uh, coming through. And thank, thank you, Justin, for taking over the boards, man. That's what I'm talking about when you talk about a dynamic central committee. You know what I'm saying? I can't see anything. My computer's down. Sister jumped in, um, took the reins. That's what's happening. We got, listen, I got nine minutes. Questions, comments, I would love to hear some feedback from the brothers and sisters out here, man. So if you have anything, press one. We'll recognize you. We'll open your mic. And, you know, you can you can give us your take on it all. So, and you can give us your take on it all. Anything, Justice? Uh, we have uh, 214-699 214-699 Black Power Your mic is open Black Power This is the Kalika How y'all doing? Hey! hey. Hi, hey. hey. <laughs> Man, I am just You know I don't have a chance to listen all the time I wish that I can listen every day I wish that you were actually broadcasting daily. Uh, you know, when I hear you speak, man, it just gives me a newfound uh, energy, a newfound understanding, you know, uh, a newfound inspiration, 
you know, because it's a lot of mediocre. It's a lot of mediocre out here and, uh, you know, half-ass doing things. And uh, unfortunately, you know, um, the masses are seeing it. And it looks yeah. like it's the example. And uh, so it makes it that much harder for, um, you know, though, you know, even though hard work is not anything that we shy away from, but, you know, it could be a lot easier if we were well organized and it wasn't that mediocre that exists. But as far as our tactics and our strategies, you know, in organizing, talking about that development, you know, and all of those things, you know, you hit a lot of points on, you know, what we need to be. And and that's that's what's missing uh, in a great aspect. You know, um, we have identified a lot of contradictions. You know, we constantly have to identify them because the people need to be able to identify them. But we're at the stage where we must create, you know, advanced revolutionaries, you know, because mm-hmm. there is advanced work that must be done. So when I hear you speak, man, it's like, I just wish I could just bring you to Dallas and we opened up a revolutionary church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so people can get that um, um, political ideological training that is so needed to go hand in hand with the work that is needed because the strategy is not developed fully because they don't have the correct and proper ideological training. So, you know, again, even myself, I don't profess to have it all. And my development is a a daily struggle. Like I'm sitting here listening. I'm just publishing my second book, you know, two nights. And I have you in my ears to kind of give me that motivation. You know what I'm saying? So I, I really wish that you would broadcast much more, but I just wanted to thank you for your efforts uh, because it keeps my revolutionary fire burning. You know, uh, these type of things here, you know, just hearing and reinforcing what we are supposed to be. So I just wanted to let y'all know that I'm listening and I appreciate it. Man, um, I really, I really appreciate that. That means, you know, I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Uh, coming from you, you know. Listen, we 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 try to do our thing and get it out uh, there. We try to do our we try to do our thing and get it out there. So I appreciate that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're gonna see you in Washington the nineteenth and the tw- and the twentieth. Uh, but it, that's right, meantime, that's right. So can you shout it out real quick because we got about two or three minutes and we got one more caller on. Yes, um, Black August. Black August in D.C. with our D.C., Virginia, and Maryland Conrad. We're also organizing for the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. We're uh, abolishing prison slavery. Our brothers and sisters behind enemy lines, they are resisting. They are fighting, and we will end prison slavery. Uh, Black August, uh, underground, D.C., everything. Uh, if you want to know more information, contact George Jackson University at gmail.com. Uh, if you're not able to be in D.C., still hit up George Jackson University and get some Black August study going. We got everything you need. Uh, but yeah, if you're in D.C., hit us up. Uh, Black Power, please. Brother Chairman, we got 706-833. Would you like to take that call? Yes. We got two minutes. 706-833. Black Power. I'm in here with your nephew, man. I'm right here beside your nephew. 
And um, I just wanted to state on uh, our image, as you spoke on our image earlier, mm-hmm. and these this, this shows on TV is killing us, man, and I wanted to see if it was any way we can get a message to the people. It's this love and hip-hop show, man, that just shows all black sisters getting degraded day after day, show after show, hair pulled out, wine thrown on them every day, man, and if it's a some way we can get a message to our people to start watching that show because it only shows all black women just degraded. And it, it, it kills me to see so many people tune in to that. Versus, if, I, I wish we had more people to tune in to this and have more questions and thoughts and input to this than that show, man. That show is just really killing us. And as far as our image goes, you know, we if, if we, as you say, strengthen ourselves as a people and stand up, for our brothers and our sisters, man, we will go so far. But it's, it's it's a fight when you got this this mess on TV, and you got so many millions just anxious to tune in to that show every day or every week when it come on. And if it was just a way we can get a message, of, you know, let's let's just get out of that trick box a little bit. You know, we can we can right we on. can move better. You feel me, my brother? Right on, right on. And that's and that's some real talk. And I appreciate that, brother. We got like a minute left in the show, man. I'm sorry that my computer was down and we got so got to it so late. So with that, man, I wanted to close out. We we'll tell everybody I thank everybody for listening. Um, it's your boy Chairman Yanga and Krumah. Definitely want to shout out to you calling in behind enemy lines. Our soldiers behind enemy lines, man. Y'all love. Y'all not forgotten. We we'll see y'all home, nephews. See you home soon. All the people listening, I leave everybody like I like I greeted you. I leave like I greet. That's all powers to the people, African power to an African people, and black power. So why don't you take me out with some of that Nas, some of that one mic. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gonna body this hood politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee. I duck, could it be my time is up? With my luck, I got up. The cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, all I need is one mic, 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 one mic,
one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six went into you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of Macs. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy. Load up the semis. Do more than just hold it. Explode the clip.